Increasing the number of people who receive evidence-based addiction treatment is crucial for preventing deaths related to drug and alcohol use disorders. But stigma and false beliefs about addiction impede care delivery and can exacerbate substance use disorders. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Nora Volko, Director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Dr. Volko has written a perspective article about the importance of combating the stigma associated with substance use disorders. Dr. Folka, in your perspective article, you discuss how stigmatizing people with addiction is related in part to resistance to the idea that addiction is a disease. Why do you think misperceptions about the nature of addiction persist today? Because in general, it's not so simple to understand how a disease or changes in the brain can ultimately interfere with something that we give for granted. We're all able to make decisions and carry them through most of the time. And we project that self-experience to what others should be able to do. And thus, it's very hard for people to actually recognize that someone that cannot stop the intense urge to take a drug may actually have lost that capacity because we see it through our own eyes, through our own experiences. And so it has always been much harder to get an insight into a disease that disrupts abilities that are automatic and we don't think about. It's like, in a way, when you actually cannot properly process sugar because you have diabetes, it's not something that you are controlling. You've never actually per se control whether the sugar is getting into your cells. But we all control that whether we take an extra cookie or not. We have a sense that we have a self-control element into our actions. And I think that that's what makes it so much harder for someone to understand the loss of that ability. What has research shown about genetic predispositions to substance use disorders and about the way drug use changes the brain? What's interesting about uh, genetics of addiction, as, and actually for almost any diseases, is that there's not obviously a one-to-one correspondence. We know that addiction runs in families, but we also know that in a family where many of the members are addicted, there are some of them that do not develop it, and this has puzzled many. And One of the components that is very notable in many of the diseases that we see in the brain is that there is an interaction with the environment that is very profound. In the case of addiction, for example, if you have all of the genes that can make you vulnerable to the changes that result in the brain, that result in addiction, if you're never exposed to it in the environment, you'll never become addicted. And we also know that even if you do not have those gene vulnerabilities, if you are raised up in a social system that is very stressful, that doesn't give you many alternatives, you're much more vulnerable. So these environmental factors interact with your genetics in determining whether you will progress into addiction or whether even if you have those genetic components, you will not. You write that stigmatization of people who use drugs is a powerful social penalty. What do you mean by that, and what are the effects of social isolation on people with substance use disorders? We know that social reinforcers are some of the most powerful for us humans, actually for many animals, and they motivate and drive our actions. And so when someone rejects us, that's actually quite painful. And the brain systems that respond to those painful sense of rejection interestingly, have a lot of overlap with the same systems that enable us to feel pain itself. And those are not surprisingly, actually, interestingly, drugs that have analgesic effects like opioids can actually be very powerful in relieving those sensations of rejection. 
And as you look into it, if you don't have those social reinforcers, which drive positively our behaviors, motivate us if you don't have them, then you seek alternatives. And if you're on top of that, you have the rejection, which is painful, then you may want to automedicate. And we know now for many years, it's not new knowledge, that isolation is one of the factors that makes actually an individual much more vulnerable to take drugs. And importantly, if you have become addicted and you go to treatment, if you do not reinsert yourself into a meaningful social system, your likelihood of relapse is very high. So isolation also impedes recovery. How do individual clinicians, either intentionally or unintentionally, perpetuate stigma against people who use drugs? Well, the issue about stigma is that it's not always conscious, right? It's not that you say, I'm basically discriminating this person. In many instances, we are actually not even aware that we do have prejudices against people with certain characteristics. And in general, I mean, healthcare individuals, physicians are not immune to it either to having stigmatizing the positions or feelings towards someone or even being aware of them. And in part, I mean, there are many elements that are actually playing to why people with addictions are stigmatized. One of them is, in general, the recognition that addiction is a condition that should be actually addressed as a medical condition for which there is treatment. is not something that is prioritized in training and education of medical students or others in healthcare professions. The other aspect that makes it too challenging is that sometimes when people are addicted, if you are intoxicated and you are delusional and paranoid, that can lead you to behaviors that are antisocial and can actually in some instance make the other person feel threatened. And that fear of something that you don't understand, the unexpected, perpetuates the stigma. And the the other element that too contributes is that for diseases where you have ample treatments, you can rapidly address as a physician what you are going to do with that person, how you can help that person. Whereas in other conditions for which the treatment is not so clear, and it's certainly not going to be like an antibiotic that treats you, but it's going to have to require continuous care. It's harder to actually empathize and it's harder to feel comfortable with the patient. So all of these factors contribute to stigmatization of people that are addicted to drugs. In a related perspective article, McGinty and Barry discussed the importance of stigma reduction campaigns that are evidence-based. What do we know about the types of messages that help reduce stigma in the medical community? Well, it is an area, actually, that has been under-investigated. There's been some research, of course, in stigma, but it's actually quite limited. But out of that research, what we do know that works is to basically not use stigmatizing language. And in that piece, they emphasize the notion of not just using words like a kissanado or a dopehead, but actually use terms that individualize it, an individual with a substance use disorder a person suffering from cocaine addiction. And that, I do believe, is actually quite meaningful because it is a way of recognizing the other as a unique, as a person, as an individual. The other component that they discuss is the importance of humanizing the concept. So the ability to teach and to train healthcare providers with examples of individuals through which they can identify, that they can understand, they can empathize. 
So the use of vignettes that can lead you to an insight from the perspective of self-experience is another aspect that has been uh, deemed to be useful in fighting against stigma. A third component of it is to actually expose individuals to patients with addiction. So to the extent also in the sense of individuals that have addiction and that you're working with, you recognize as not any different from anyone else, that that is going to do a lot to basically destroy stigma to the extent that we have made addiction something that we are afraid to speak of, that patients don't want to discuss it, that the family members don't comment it, then you actually don't realize that surrounding your people that are basically are in no way different from you, but they have an addiction. And that is another component to make it more of everyday life, not something that is mysterious and uncomprehensible. Finally, looking a bit beyond that, what types of steps do you think are needed to combat the stigma associated with substance use disorders more broadly on a societal level? What do we need to be doing? Well, there are three elements that have been discussed by many that have written on the issue of stigma in general. One of them, which in a way perhaps is the easiest one to deal with, which is the structural component, right? So to the extent, for example, that you are not training healthcare providers and to how to properly treat people with addictions and to the extent that insurances are not covering to the same extent the treatment, that the same thing calls for the limited number of available medications because we're not investing it. Those are structural elements that could change. There's no reason why there should be less prioritization of basically taking care of a person that's addicted that taking care of someone else with another disease and paying less for those services. So those are structural elements that will help enormously, including removing some of the barriers that some of the insurances have towards covering for the treatment of addiction. So structurally, making those changes would be very good. At the social level, actually, because ultimately that is where we live in social systems, educating the public about what addiction is. And here, media can play an important role, right? How you portray people that are addicted, making them part of everyday narratives that we see, that we may see in a movie, on television, that we basically, if we can get people to feel more comfortable about conveying the fact that they themselves have been addicted and we admire them, that would also remove a lot of the stigma associated with addiction. And the third element, which in a way will follow that two other one, is the stigma that the person that becomes addicted itself embraces. So people that are addicted start to feel actually themselves sort of responsible for their own actions and their self-confidence is degraded. And so they incorporate that stigma in ways that lead them to isolate and withdraw and not seek help and very negative. And of course, then they become secretive and they don't speak up. So we need to address these three components of the stigma, the structural, the social, and the individual. Thank you, Dr. Volko.